Welcome to the Fitness and Color Podcast, where we follow and highlight the experiences of people of color in the wellness and fitness industry, telling their stories in their own words. What started as just like, I want to invite my friends became like, yeah, I want people who look like me to have an awesome experience became, I want people who feel outsiders in this fitness industry to feel seen. So now I just say it's fitness for the majority. And even that was the evolution because it started off as fitness for the minority being black people. And it's expanded to like the majority being most people do not fit into those little perfect frames and those perfect pictures of wellness. You know, like most people can't afford to pay $50. Most people don't wear a size two and drink green juices all day. Like the majority of people don't feel seen in those spaces. Hey, Bree. Welcome to the show. Thanks for joining me. Thank you for having me, Sydney. I'm very excited. Yeah, same. So I had known about you for a while, actually, because my buddy RJ was out in LA and he was going to a spinning class. I'm like, why are you going to a spin class? And then (laughs) I saw and I was like, yo, that's fire. RJ's always looking out. That might have been like 2018, 2019, maybe. No, 2018, probably. Really cool stuff that you're doing with spinning. And so we'll definitely get there. Um, But tell the folks who you are, where you are today and what you're doing. So today I'm actually in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. I've been spending most of quarantine here. My husband is in grad school. So this is easy. And I am still very much running the business and, you know, doing all of the things to keep our name and business afloat through COVID, which has really been a challenge. I'm a mom, I'm a wife, I'm a sister, I'm a daughter, I'm a best friend. I'm a people person, I'm a girl's girl, I'm an athlete. Yeah, that's like me in a nutshell. (laughs) I love it. So tell us what the business is. So the business is Spike to Spin. Our first location is in Bed-Stuy, Brooklyn. And we are hoping to expand from there. But our brand is all about bringing premium wellness experiences to marginalized communities. So I know you were in LA doing it, but now it's in Brooklyn, but now you're in Philly. So how did that, how did that work out? Yeah. So when I was actually in LA, that was a pop-up series that we did testing the market. And I was there for... Um, two months doing kind of like a test run of like what spiked would look like potentially if we came to the LA market. But we are definitely based in New York. I created the brand in 2016. It's actually really cool because spiked has been on such a journey. Like we started out as just a random idea. My background is actually digital advertising. And I just wanted to have an experience of a fitness experience that I enjoyed, you know, like there were already a lot of different workouts in New York City. So it wasn't a matter of not being able to find a workout. It was more so finding a workout that I liked and that fit with my style and that fit with, you know, the type of music that I wanted to hear. And so I was like, okay, this doesn't exist. I'm going to make it. And from there, it's grown into this brand and this larger mission. And that's this really intentional purpose in my life, which is very crazy. Um, Like I'm a person that really believes in divine timing. And 
when I just look back over the past few years, I can really see how my steps have been ordered and it just makes me really grateful. I love to hear that because I'm experiencing something very similar right now. I started a running team in 2017 just because I got tired of leaving my neighborhood to go run. And I just been doing it just for fun, creating something that I wanted because I couldn't find it. And I, and I saw it in other, in other cities and New York's a big running market for what we call running, running crews. And so we created one and, um, you know, everything has worked to the point where like we've created a community that's so strong and now we're able to launch an apparel line. That's just what I do full time now. And it wasn't something I was focusing on full time or even planning to do full time. I was planning to move to the Cape Verde Islands, my wife and kids. And oh. live. <laughs> yeah, like right before quarantine. Yeah, we were supposed to move to the Cape Verde Islands. We're going to work remotely because I work in digital advertisement, too. I was working for a um, digital consulting firm that everyone's, you know, we have our some of our workers are in Pakistan, they're in India, they're in Colombia, and our clients are all over as well. And so I was going to do client management from the Cape Verde Islands. And then COVID hit and Black Lives Matter picked up and, you know, we started doing running protests and I just kind of fell into what I'm doing full time now, including this yep. podcast. And yep. so I really resonate with what you're saying um, in terms of like, when we take a look, a, a few, like look up, look backwards and see how your steps have just led you to where you are. It's super cool. Yeah, it really is because, I mean, I was just having this conversation with my husband. I have like such big goals now for the brand and it can sometimes feel overwhelming of just seeing where I am and where I hope we go or where we will go but then I have to remind myself like do you remember that you were just in the basement of someone else's gym with like you know a few riders coming and then that grew and then so it's like you know we live in such a society where things feel so instant but it's beautiful to just go through the process and you still get the overwhelming feelings and the anxiety and the stress and the figuring it out but I know that on the other side of it all there's always something positive and great so I try to stay in that space as much as possible. I love that. Uh, reflecting as well um, and being kind of present and understanding, just acknowledging and knowing that is important. You know, because exactly. we do get stuck on this like, you know, we're in the age of social media where like you can literally just be stuck and yeah, following other people's whatever they're doing and not yep. really thinking about like anything you're doing and being intentional about it. I had a, uh, my last episode was with a gentleman out in LA. You probably know of, of him. Well, no, I guess you didn't live in LA. But he's he's all about being intentional and being present and like understanding the decisions you're making um, down to like what you're doing every day. So it's important to like realize that. So I love that you think of that. I mean, moments like this force me to think about it. Don't like be clear. I have my days <laughs> like every other normal person where I'm just like going through the motions, trying to get things done, trying to get, you know, I'm stressed. I'm figuring out how to balance my baby and You're a new all these mom, things. Yeah. yeah, but you know, I do appreciate these moments that force me to take a step back and be like, "Yo, you've come a long way. Like, give yourself a little bit of grace, and also be reminded that like you're only going to continue to do more and be better, even when it looks scary and dark. It always works out." Yeah, that's awesome. So, I want to get to know Bree. Yeah. Did you grow up in New York City? What did you do as a kid? How did you get into sport? Just kind of chronicling how you ended up creating a spin class for the for the culture, essentially, right? Yeah, that's that's exactly right. Um, I love it. So let's go back. Where uh, where are you from? Okay, so I'm originally from Queens, New York. 
and I am the daughter of very amazing parents. I have to give so much credit to them because so much of who I am, and now again, this is something in re- reflection at 31, I appreciate who they were and who they are to me. My dad has always had an entrepreneurial spirit and my mom is much more of a straight line. She works in finance and I've done both and I feel both inside of me all of the time in terms of just like balancing, you know, the security of the straight line corporate career versus the entrepreneurial spirit that's like so innate in me. But I growing up have always had these like ideas and little things I wanted to do, like sell flowers on this, you know, on the front of my grandfather's restaurant or try to figure out programs for teenagers. I've always had a heart to like help people and never really thought much of it. I play, I ran track most of my life and I was a dancer. So I used to do like ballet, tap, jazz, African hip hop, the whole thing until I was old enough to be like, I don't really want to do this anymore. (laughs) And then I pivoted and I just like straight up was a track girl and running every season, running with a coach, driving myself crazy until I was old enough to be like, actually, mom, I don't think I want to run in college. And she was like, what? Like, we've invested all this money into you, all of this private training and like. Oh, wow. So you were in it. Yeah, I was like in it and thinking I would go to school on scholarship. And then senior year, I was just like, I'm not doing this anymore. And it was just like. I was tired. What year? What year? Yeah, no, I understand that, right? Because I I mean, you have a kid, I have a kid now. I'm thinking, and I, you know, think about like, what is he going to play? What is he going to do? And it's like, the more I read about how much these kids actually go through, if you like, for, like you know, if they, if they, if you focus on one sport, yeah. First off, knee surgeries in America, there's a pandemic of knee surgeries in America yes. because kids are focusing on one sport. Um, and I've been looking into it because, you know, I'm like, what was my kid going to play? So, and you know, you grow tired of it, right? Like yes. you were, how, at what age did you start? Like, um, I started in middle school. Okay. So yeah. Yeah. And you were running year round. Yes. I ran every season, indoor track and outdoor track. And I always had a coach, which is something that like, I was lucky enough that my parents could get that for me. So mm-hmm. when we weren't in season, I was still training, like even in the summers, And that was when I really started to say, like, this is just too much. Like, it's becoming a job. Something that was once just like, you're fast, okay, was cool, became like, but you need to get faster, you need to get stronger, you need to lose weight, you need to gain muscle, you need to, like, it just became me eating certain ways and not being able to eat. And, like, I was over it in the worst way, and I was just like, I'm not doing this. (laughs) Wow. That's cool. All right, so I have to go back and ask. I hear, I hear an accent. Mm-hmm. Do you, is English your first language? Yeah. <laughs> okay. English is not my first language, and I have an accent. So. What's your first language? Uh, Cape Verdean Creole. Oh, I want to go there so. Badly. And then Spanish, and then Spanish, okay. and then English. <laughs> God, well, you your English is excellent. Like I admire. I wish I could speak another language. My family is Panamanian, okay. and I do not speak the language unfortunately like it just it's fine yeah (laughs) but oh the one thing i did want to note though is that i grew up in new york but then i moved to maryland for middle school which is where i started track okay and then i moved to georgia in 11th grade oh wow yeah so i was i moved 
seventh grade to, to Maryland from New York, 11th grade to Georgia from Maryland. And that's when I met my coach who like, I love her to death, but that was the coach that really was, I was like, count me out coach. Like I'm done. <laughs> Track in the South is different. Listen, everything in the South is like, they <laughs> sports in the South. I thought I was a beast. They do not play about anything. Yeah. Like you are going hard. 300 degree weather, That's no water, hilarious. no. <laughs> yeah, they they just a different breed down there. Yeah, yes. that, that starts to make sense. That yes. starts to make sense. Yeah, I mean, even in Maryland, I mean, Maryland's not that far south, but it's definitely you get you know the further south you go, the more you know more intense Absolutely. you get. I think. I mean, in my experience, I don't know. I mean, uh, not to take away any sport, you know, in other places, but I will say the south is just a different beast from my experience, and like. Even watching my brothers play football now, I'm like, yo, I, no, no, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so that's cool. So you raised in New York City and then Maryland and then Georgia, which is a bit different. Mm -hmm. How was that? I mean, getting down to Georgia in 11th grade, not running track. Like, tell me about that. I still ran. I just, okay. I still ran through high school. That wasn't really an option. I just chose elected to not move forward for college which was the plan and which was why the investment was so strong because my parents were intending of me like okay you'll run in college for free yeah. kids listen to your parents because now i have student <laughs> loans but facts yeah like i should have listened in retrospect and just ate the you know just did what i had to do but whatever i enjoyed my college experience it was different but i really loved my high school experience in georgia for so many people they're like oh my god you moved at such a pivotal point in life but i really believe that moving i looked at it as a positive thing my mom asked me before we left like first of all you are a junior if you don't want to go we will stay here your brothers are young enough that we'll move once you're out i don't want to you know uproot you and i was like no let's do it like i'm always down for an adventure and I feel like that oh, ability <laughs> to just kind of like go with the flow and find a place. And it allows me to relate to so many people. Like, I feel like it's what has given me the ability to see the world from a different point of view. With each move, also, I experienced a new level of quote unquote privilege. So, you know, like financially, my parents continue to get better and that made mm -hmm. things better in terms of like the school system the where we lived and all those types of things but new york has always been the backdrop my dad continued to live in new york it's always been where the rest of my family lives while we were moving so okay. i was able to always kind of maintain that relationship with you know the grittiness and resilience of new york city and kind of bring Absolutely. that with me everywhere i went yeah that's unmatched new york city the grittiness of New York City is unmatched. It's unmatched. I used to go to New York City a lot as a kid, and I was, but like you know, just a visit and like my 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 dad and my uncle they had like little stores mm -hmm. um, that they sold like you know they sold stuff, but they would buy it in New York, so they would go buy all the clothes down on Broadway. Yeah, and man, like <laughs> I'm talking the illegal, you know, like the, yeah, the conference, yeah, right? Yeah. So I remember. One time I was down there with my uncle. We were like, you go into these buildings, right? You go up the stairs <laughs> and then you're just like in a room buying mad product. And and like when the when the when the ops came, when the cops came, like they would just close the door and turn the lights off. Everyone would go <laughs> silent. And so like I remember just like they're just pulling me into a room and closing the door and just you have to be silent. And then 
cops are gone they turn it back on what cds do you want you know what what shirts do you want we got these nietzsche jeans it was crazy so like i knew new york was so a different funny. animal it is yeah. so funny to hear that because like yes everyone who's from new york has had that experience everyone has been to canal street yeah. been in a sketchy place and it's like you think nothing of it in retrospect it's like what the hell were we doing but you know like it's just the culture it's how we live so it's it is yeah i always love new york for that Hey friends, I want to take a quick break to tell you about a project that I've been working on and I'm so excited to share with you. After a year and a half of product research, design, and development, we are proud to finally launch Pioneer's Running Apparel, fusing high-performance fabrics with streetwear design aesthetics, creating a new category of athleisure wear called Performance Streetwear. We have selected the highest quality European performance fabrics, some of which are made of recycled industrial waste such as discarded fishing nets head over to pioneers.com to learn more that's p-y-n-r-s.com and now back to the show what'd you end up doing in college where'd you go to college and what'd you end up doing did you play sports so in college i went to hampton university in ah, virginia okay. mm -hmm. that's sense. where i met rj exactly full circle moment he was one of my good friends there. He's still one of my good friends. But in college, I focused crazy back to dancing. So I was like on the dance team. I know. That's cool. <laughs> Definitely was not being paid to do it or they weren't paying my tuition to do it. But I think I was always seeking like, you know, what I loved. So I got over track and I still had such a strong connection to dance because I had done that for most of my life up until up until high school and then I just was like you know involved in like student organizations I was also just wanting to be like out and about I was an English major college was really fun like it was <laughs> I'm like thinking about it now and I'm just like yeah that Hampton experience was amazing Hamptons so I went down and visited and it was crazy it was like all these good-looking black and brown people listen like everyone looked dope I remember I don't know, like people just dressed up. Like when I was down there, I was like weirded out. I was like, how do you guys get dressed up for school? I went to UMass Amherst. It's like a big party school. People throw on their sweatshirt. Like you put makeup on to go to, to go to school. <laughs> we always say that about Hampton. Like when I got there, I was shocked at how beautiful everyone was. Like literally, I'm not no cap or whatever y'all want to say, but like it is a school of beautiful people, beautiful women and beautiful men. Yeah. And you're right. It's something that Hampton kind of instills in us that we have to get dressed because basically what they're trying to teach you is like, this is how you have to show up for the world. So we weren't allowed to do things that like other college kids got to do. So you can't just come in like your pajama pants or a sweatshirt. Like you have to be dressed in order for the professors to even like let you in. It's pretty oh, wow. archaic when you think about it and like very old school, traditional mindset. And I think it has a lot to do with it being a historically black college and them feeling the need for black people to always be better. You know, when they go into rooms, we don't have the room to lack to show up any way we want. And I think they were just trying to instill that in us, even from our college experience. Believe me, there were days where we were all pissed, like, yo, I don't feel like, I mean, you don't have to get, like, dressed up, but yeah, it's yeah. like, I just want to throw on my pajama pants, like my friends, you know, at their other schools, and it just wasn't yeah. the case. So, yeah, you're right. We would make up heels the whole Crazy. nine just to go to class. <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, I did go down during like one of those Hampton weekends, uh, uh, like homecoming. I went uh -huh. for homecoming, uh -huh. so I'm, I'm sure people stepped it up a bit more. But like, I was amazed. I was like, man, I don't know, I couldn't go here. There, oh like, yeah, if you went so many beautiful people, <laughs> then you definitely saw like homecoming for us is like fashion week. Like you're going okay. for the best in your wardrobe, best style, best makeup, best hair. Like it's it's a moment. Um, I love but that. if you got to experience that, that's awesome. Yeah, no, it was really cool. And so that does make sense as to like, you know, historically, black people, you you know, you have to come in on point. Like you don't get a second chance. And I, I know a lot of programs that were uh, like, I went through a program that helped prepare me for the corporate world. And that was it. Every Saturday morning, we had to come, you have to be dressed up mm -hmm. and like ready to go, you know, as I was training to get in, become an accountant. But yeah, that's cool. Um, so Hampton, that's, that's a vibe. And then did you end up in New York City after? Yep. So I graduated from Hampton. And then it's crazy. I graduated on Sunday, Mother's Day, every year's graduation. Um, okay. So I graduated on a Sunday. And I was one of those people that were like super, I was super freaked out about not having a job when I graduated. I was like, oh my God, I need to have a job. I'm going to be a failure. Like so much pressure on myself. And then like I got an interview so my dad was like, okay, you'll just drive back to New York with me for your interview. Like, just pack your suit, pack a few items, and we'll go. So I went to New York with my business suit, a few, like, jeans, shorts, whatever. And my interview was, like, that week, let's say Thursday or something like that. So I go to New York, have my interview. I'm like, please let me get this job. And it was in digital advertising, which is what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. And I got the job, like, two weeks later. Got paid shit, nothing. Like, you don't get paid anything when you first start in advertising. But it was, like, so awesome because it was really that story of, like, a girl and her dad in the bag. <laughs> and I'm just like, all right, dad, I got to kill this interview. I don't know anything about it. I'm leaving straight from graduation. I'm going to make it happen. And the story. That's like New York City. That's like yeah. New York City grit. <laughs> that is. That's, that's that cool. is. And my dad is just like, you can do it. Yeah, you got this. They're going to hire you. Like, he has the most belief in me. So I'm like, all right. Yeah. <laughs> You took track to the next level, like you picked it up, you were successful in it. You took college to the next level, you went, you loved it. And then so I'm sure that he was, he had the faith in, in you. That's really cool. Did you, so how long did you stay in advertisement? Did you find yourself in fitness, in the fitness world after college? Like, were you going to the gym? Yeah. So fitness has never left my site. It's what I love about Facebook now is their feature to see like memories. Because mm -hmm. even I have memories from being in the gym at Hampton University in the student center, like me posting, like, I'm up in the gym. Who's coming to meet me today? Like, I've always had some kind of, like, relationship with fitness from back then. And I love when those mm -hmm. posts pop up because I'm like, wow, Brianna, like, again, your steps have been ordered. So I've always been, like, a gym. I've always been someone who is definitely conscious of my health and when I graduated, nothing changed. The cool thing about advertising, though, this is this was a game changer. Although we were paid nothing, we got to experience the best parts of New York. So I got to go to the most expensive, exquisite, exclusive restaurants. Mm -hmm. I got to go on like all of these cool shopping treats. Like they would shut down stores for us to shop. And I got to go to boutique fitness experiences. So I would get to go to all of these like soul cycles berries boot camps slt like all of these places that i had never heard of or seen where i'm from in queens which is where i was living to work 
So it was all very new and exciting for me. It really felt like this sex in the city, New York City life. It's like, yes, I make no money. I make enough money to just like feed myself and buy the clothes I wear to work. But my life is so crazy. I'm like out every night at the best clubs, getting drinks at the bar, getting manicures. So my relationship with fitness really grew then because when my clients would say like, well, what do you want to do? Do you want to go get your hair blown out? Do you want to go get a manicure? I'd be like, no, I want to go to this workout because those workouts are like $50 a pop. And I'm like, I can afford that on my own. But if you're going to take me, then I can get my workouts, you know, three, four times a week that way. So that was kind of how I first got into the boutique fitness industry in New York City. See, that's all right. So I love that. First off, like that sounds like the dream career right after college. Like that sounds like you are having a good time. New York, New York is crazy. I tell everyone I'm like my like younger, uh, not kids, but I feel old and I think, but like younger people who are graduating, I always tell them I'm like, Digital advertising is such a fun entry into the business world because it's almost like you're still in college. Like you, you work hard. Please, like the hours are crazy. That. But on the flip side, you're like having wine and like doing whatever you want. It's 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 the best. Yeah. So that's point one. Point two is if you didn't have access to these clients, you would never have access to these fitness experiences because you are left out bingo enters spiked spin the only reason you eat you could even conceptualize it is because you had a job that allowed you access because i mean were you seeing any people of color in those spaces when you would go nope and that's you just hit the nail on the head it's the (laughs) access and the exposure right so brianna doesn't get this job brianna doesn't even know about this brianna doesn't leave queens brianna doesn't know about this brianna doesn't work with clients that are willing to pay for these experiences, Brianna doesn't know about this. It's a whole world, you know, like Mm -hmm. New York City has worlds within worlds within worlds, you know, like you, it's only what you're exposed to that you get to know because there's so much going on in the city on any given day. There's, you know, people who know the club scene, there's people who know the wellness scene, there are people who know the business scene, there are people who cross over, but there are all these things happening simultaneously and in such a busy place, it's very easy to get trapped in your bubble of existence. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and that happens all of the time, especially in marginalized communities like where I'm from, um, mm-hmm. which is predominantly black people, Spanish people, people of color um, who are not necessarily going to these jobs or to these you know, experiences. And so I'm like, can afford it can't even afford to go exactly i couldn't even afford to go you know like i am in that world quote unquote and i definitely could not have afforded to be spending fifty dollars three and four times a week for a 60 for a 60 minute class like that was not in my budget yeah so that was kind of how i got to see like okay my mind started moving like this there's something here let's do this and like there's so many marginalized communities i'm here Spike this here. Let's the takeover begins now. Yeah, has begun. All right. So I love that because you went in, you saw it. You were like, "Wow, this could be dope." But I want to do it for my people. I want to do it for people who look like me. A because it doesn't exist, and B because I'm getting so much joy out of this. Mm-hmm. I have to share it with others. Mm-hmm. So you went to Barry's. You went to Soul Cycle. What what stuck out to you that Spike Spin was the one? How'd you come up with the name? Why'd you pick cycling? So of all of the experiences 
And I've thought a lot about like, why was it cycling? And I think it's because Mm -hmm. it's the most rhythmic. So as I mentioned before, I have a dance background, but I'm an athlete. Mm -hmm. So it's a combination of things that a lot of people don't necessarily put together in terms of like dancers are athletes, but I'm a different kind of, I'm a track athlete, which is a completely different type of training, a high intensity training, especially for a sprinter. So for me to get a workout, I need high intensity. But for me Mm -hmm. to have fun, I need the joy, the rhythm, the music. And so cycling for me allowed me to bring together my two worlds that I enjoy the most. So like berries is a straight up, you just feel like you're a track practice, you know, like you're on the machine, you're on the floor. It's not as like, there's nothing cute about that. That's a straight up, like I'm here to work out. With cycling, I saw the opportunity to like move my body in different ways and learn about how to be creative on the bike. The bike is the bike, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? So your legs are gonna do what they do. But it's like, this is it. Like, yeah, Brie, you're lit right here. Like when you feel this, you are energized to go hard. Like I give you, I'm gonna give you one of the most intense workouts, but you're also gonna have fun. You're also gonna find moments of joy. You're also gonna find moments of release and like be grateful you came when you leave. Everything you just explained, I get out of a treadmill studio. <laughs> See? <laughs> I was a coach at a treadmill studio and all of that. And you get, get it. It's like yeah. your thing. And like people have their thing. You know, like I can run, obviously, like I said, I ran track, but it's not my yep. thing. Like I'm not my anymore. My, my track days really ruined my <laughs> like I run for heart health now, you know, to stay healthy, keep moving. But the joy that I once got it's I don't have it anymore <laughs> and also my knees and I'm older and like all of the things <laughs> all of that <laughs> but yes you know that feeling that just feeling of like lightness and joy and movement is really why cycling and then the name spike I wanted to play on the idea of like a spiked drink when it has that unexpected flavor I feel like that's what we're bringing to the industry. We're the unexpected flavor that has been missing. For so long, the punch has been made the exact same way. The same mm-hmm. recipe over and over and over until you got a splash of us. And it's like, oh, I wasn't ready for that taste. I didn't know that flavor was in there. I didn't know that was coming. So that that's the play on the names. <laughs> that's fire. I love that. You came up with the idea. How'd you get started? Because bikes aren't cheap. No. Nothing is cheap <laughs> in business, okay? A photo Fact. shoot is no, not you're right, cheap. You're right. <laughs> like, I started, like I, I alluded to earlier, literally just hosting random, after I got certified, after I taught for a few years. So the first thing was like, I wanted to learn the craft on the business side. Yes, I was yep. already an avid cycler as a client, and then I needed to learn it as an instructor. So I did that first, did my due diligence, and when I felt comfortable enough, I was like, okay, I want to invite my friends, but the club that I was teaching at was private only to the people who were members. So my friends couldn't come. Mm -hmm. And it was like a lot of things. It was like, I couldn't really play the music I wanted. I couldn't speak the way I wanted because I was working for someone else. So naturally I had to Mm -hmm. be an instructor within their business structure. So I just had like a random class. I sent an email to my friends and family like, yo, teaching a class. If you want to come, here's the link, show up. It sold out. And this was me. This is, this was the finesse. I like, had a gym that let me use their cycling studio, which is unheard of. Like gyms do not do that 
for the very reason of this, of like me being able to grow my business inside of their facility. And then one class led to two classes and then two classes led to three classes and then three classes led to a full schedule. And then the schedule led to morning classes and evening classes. And I slowly built the brand that way with literally me teaching every class. I would teach in the mornings before I went to my full-time job. Then I would teach in the evenings after my full-time job. Then I would teach on the weekends. And I would just, I just kept doing that. And I taught to one person, I've taught to five people, I've taught to 30 people. And really, it just became its own movement of people who were excited about it, who felt seen. I had all of the doubts in my mind because I'm like, well, we're not where I want to be. We're not in the space. It doesn't look how I want it to look. It doesn't. And I just had enough people around me to keep me motivated to be like, you started this. You created this mission. You, you It's bigger than what started as just like, I want to invite my friends became like, yeah, I want people who look like me to have an awesome experience became, I want people who feel outsiders in this fitness industry to feel seen. So now I just say it's fitness for the majority. Um, mm-hmm. And even that was the evolution because it started off as fitness for the minority being black people. Mm-hmm. And it's expanded to like the majority being most people do not fit into those little perfect frames and those perfect pictures of wellness you know like let's go most people can't afford to pay 50 dollars. most people don't wear a size two and drink green juices all day like the majority of people (laughs) don't feel seen in those spaces and so the evolution continued continued and continues yeah and that's kind of where we are now it's crazy how you start to peel back layers and realize how many people you can connect with because everyone's been left out of this industry. Yep. It's just, I mean, I see so many parallels with the running scene. And so we created the running apparel. You know, at first it was like, it was never for us by us. It was always like, you know, create with people of color in mind because no one's doing that. No one's creating with people of color in mind. And then you expand, you're like, well, it's creating for more diverse bodies. Mm-hmm. Cre- because like when you look at, the, like, just like you said, running, you have size twos with long legs and skinny when like the majority of people are not like that. Yep. And so like they're not creating for that. And so like, you know, it just the evolution as you peel back layers. I love how, how you capture that. Yeah. And I, and it's important to note that because again, I'm very aware of the society we live in and that it's very, you know, instantaneous and people want things so quickly. And I'm like, this has been a journey you know, by no means, I now see people pop up and they're like, oh, you know, whatever, whatever. And that's fine. But I'm like, when we were saying that in the beginning, it was almost like we were shunned. People were like, you're really going to come out and say for people of color, like, shocker, that's what you're saying about your business. And I'm like, yes, there are so many brands created with other people in mind. How does it feel when you create something with marginalized people in mind larger body types in mind people with chronic diseases in mind like let's have these talks and and yeah i'm willing to say it unapologetically and i think that's the reason that spiked has been able to sustain and stay successful it's it's authentic it's not keeping up with the joneses it's really being true to the mission hey friends I want to take a quick break to tell you about a project that I've been working on and I'm so excited to share with you. After a year and a half of product research, design, and development, 
we are proud to finally launch Pioneer's Running Apparel, fusing high-performance fabrics with streetwear design aesthetics, creating a new category of athleisure wear called performance streetwear. Head over to pioneers.com to learn more. That's P-Y-N-R-S.com. And now, back to the show. So you created a community inside of someone else's business to the <laughs> point where you then created your own business. So when did you get your own space? So I created it to the point where they started like literally limiting my time. Like they basically pushed me out, which I think was also a blessing <laughs> because it would have just, I was just getting too comfortable there. Like it was working way too seamlessly. Um, we opened our brick and mortar November, 2019, November 16th, 2019. Damn. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just a f- you know, few short months before we all went mm-hmm. quarantined. <laughs> March 15th will be one year that my studio has been lifeless, which yeah. is so sad and heartbreaking, um, but also a blessing that we've been able to keep the doors open. I'm just praying that we can open these doors, you know, soon. I, I, at this point, I'm just frustrated with new york city government but that's another conversation that's a whole other conversation (laughs) it's coming i got my first i got my first dose of the vaccine so yeah yeah so it's coming i want to get it i've been just kind of like i want to talk with my doctor about since i'm nursing my baby like if i wasn't nursing i would have gotten it already i just want to understand and be smart about like what is happening with my kid and like if anything, it may not be anything, but I just want to make sure I'm like as knowledgeable as possible being that I nurse him. But other than that, kudos to you. I want it so badly. <laughs> I'm like, put that, yeah, put that in my arm. Yes, put it in my arm. I need it. Um, Catch me at the function. Yeah. I'm going to be out. <laughs> <laughs> Catch me at the function. Yeah, yeah. So it'd be cool. But all right, so the, the, the studio closed. That's got to be heartbreaking. Tell me about that weekend. Or how you realize that this was like, you know, you just put all this money into this space. Oh, you weren't pregnant at the time, right? Like you weren't. I wasn't pregnant in November. I was pregnant in March when I found ah, out. Okay. I didn't know I was pregnant. <laughs> so okay. March 15th, uh, like that week, the beginning of March, we started to have conversations with my staff and my HR about, you know, how we wanted to handle the hysteria that was coming out around the pandemic. And it started off with just like, okay, we're Lysol wiping everything, you know, we're gonna have separation. Like we were doing those types of things. And then I don't know if it was the news or what, but like it got really serious in New York and they were basically like, be prepared to go under shutdown. So March 15th, I send a mass email to my entire staff basically letting them know that I'm grateful for their support and that we are continuing to do all that we can. However, we will be closing the studio effective immediately. And since then, we haven't been open. It was honestly in the moment, I didn't realize the capacity of COVID. I didn't realize what it really meant at that time. I think months later when i was like okay so it's three months later it's five months later it's seven months later here we are 12 months later now is where the frustration lies like at first it was kind of i didn't know you know i thought it was going to be something that we shut down and then we would be open in three months or something like that so 
it's definitely been scary, trying hard, but it's making me much more creative. Things that I had written on our five-year plan, I'm like having to actively activate now. So it's it's good and bad. At what point, because I know now you're in Philadelphia, was that always part of the plan? In terms, I know your husband's at uh, Wharton, right? Right. So it was part of the plan. We didn't know how it was going to look in terms of our living situation. So we got married in January. Open Spike, November 2019. Married January 2020. Spiked closes March 2020. Zach finds out that he got accepted to Wharton March, let's say, 27th of 2020. I found out I'm pregnant March 28th, 2020. Um, we moved to Philadelphia, July, 2020. I gave birth to my son, November, 2020. And here we are. So wow, it was a year. Philly was always in our plan. He always knew he wanted to go to grad school. It was just a matter of like him getting accepted. So once the acceptance came, it was a no brainer. Like you're definitely going to Wharton. Like that's, that's happening. The baby was a surprise (laughs) for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Like that was definitely god's plan but he's here and he's perfect and i'm so grateful but that definitely was like a shocker (laughs) so yeah i've learned in real time how to balance all of these things i love it your your wedding photos phenomenal thank you that looked like a dope ass wedding yo when i say if we would have known that that was the last time we were going to be outside we would have yeah really maxed it out (laughs) i mean we maxed it out but i feel like we would have that's super cool. Yeah. So you're in Philly, you have the baby. So what are some of the things you're doing virtually for, for the business? Everything is virtual right now. So we're like in the process of planning, like what does our reopening schedule look like? What does our digital presence look like? Continuing to use my voice and my platform to spread the good news about Spike like this, doing these kinds of interviews to make sure that we're still staying top of mind for our clients, letting them know that we're still here. Things look different, but we're not going anywhere. And then I'm working on some things that I can't share yet, but we'll see what happens next, okay? <laughs> okay. Let's go. A I little drink bar. Yeah. That's cool. So this, yeah, so it sounds like you are bouncing back. Not that you were ever down, but like you had a crazy year. No, nah, I was down. I was, I was down. Like last year was really a hard, hard year. I'm not, it was mentally draining, physically draining. It taught me, it was a very personal year. There were things that I was going through that I just couldn't share with my husband. I couldn't share with my friends because they just couldn't get it. it I didn't even know how to express it. Um, just like some of the fears and like, you know, people will always just try to be that positive light. Like everything's okay. And like, yes, that's okay. That's true. But some shit is really hard and it, you don't know if it's going to be okay. And I was kind of in one of those places. and. I'm grateful for my resilience and I'm grateful for the people that I have around me to continue to build me up. But I can't lie and sugarcoat it. Like 2020 was literally my most beautiful year. I will never forget. None of us will forget 2020, but I just experienced my highest high of marrying my best friend and giving birth to our first child, which is like incredible. Simultaneously with my entire business that I put my life savings into just being like shut down. So I can't lie, but I'm, I'm definitely bounced back. I'm definitely feeling good. I actually feel 
I won't even call it a bounce back. I'll feel it like a leap forward. I feel better than ever. I'm like, I'm ready. I'm in beast mode. So that's good. <laughs> thank you for being so honest and vulnerable. Yeah. And thank you for that. Just got me so, so like inspired right now. Like, let's go. <laughs> it's a leap forward. If I could, yeah, I don't want to yell into this mic right now, but I <laughs> yell into our listeners' ears, but let's go. Yeah. That's that's super cool. Yeah. So thank you so much. Thanks for sharing your story. Thank you for being open. Thank you. This is really cool. No, thank you. I appreciate you for reaching out. I appreciate you for creating this platform and for caring about my story. I hope this is valuable to your listeners. And you and I have to stay connected so we can figure out something that we can do because the synergies are there. I'm going to get some Pioneers Apparel up in Spike Spin. No more, you know, Lululemon's cool. Don't get me wrong. I love Lulu, but you're going to be, you're going to be listen, having Pioneers Apparel in Listen, <laughs> I'm for the people. So you, you let me know. We'll, we'll make it work. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please leave us a quick review. This helps us get noticed by other podcast listeners like yourself. If you know anyone that would benefit from this episode, then please share it with them. That wraps up today's show. Thank you. And I'll see you on the next episode.